0: Brew Strong is brought to you by Blickman Engineering, home of the top-tier brewing stand. Visit them online at blickmanengineering.com.
2: Howdy, hey my brewing brothers and sisters. Greetings, greetings. <laughs> you sound better on this show, John.
3: Yeah, I just I just hawked a big loogie. <laughs> so.
2: you, you you blew the pipes clean? Yeah. Mm. I
3: used about ten tissues in about five minutes.
2: I always enjoy good pipe cleaning.
3: Yeah. Nothing nothing. You <clears throat> usually than use ten tissues pipes. or more?
2: <laughs> it depends. It depends how long it's been since I've cleaned my pipes yeah you know, sometimes yeah. it takes more mm-hmm. sometimes you know it's chunkier, so that can that can blow through the tissue more
3: yeah that's true
2: you know and i've I've got pretty good velocity <laughs> you know i got uh you know when I sneeze it's quite uh, quite the experience
4: are you yeah. a rap
3: I rapid- know Scott's not entering this conversation I'm i' tr- am am no trying. velocity whatsoever now huh? <laughs>
4: I'm wondering if he's a rapid sneezer, though. Like, do you fire off, like, six in a row, you know? Um, I'll fire off six in a row, but they're, you know, it's more
2: it's more like a revolver than it is a semi-auto.
1: Okay. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yes.
2: Uh, you know, when I get, like, an allergy attack going, I mean, I'll, but <laughs> it's it's so loud that sometimes <laughs> it just, like, freaks people out. It's yeah. just like, oh, my God.
4: You can't stifle yourself just a little bit.
2: Uh, you know, sometimes I can, sometimes it's just impossible, and it just comes—you know—ripping out. You scare the crap out of your wife. You like wake her up. <laughs> uh, you know, it'll wake people up. Uh, the whole family, you know, it's still just like, geez, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, I, I, yeah, I can't help it. I sneeze. You know, it's that's the way the way I sneeze. I don't have this little delicate sneeze. I just <laughs> Scott. You probably like. Chew. <laughs> That's it,
4: huh? Uh, No, I'm one of those people who, like, uh, suppresses it. (laughs) What is up with those people? Let it out, baby. Right.
2: Just just like your emotions. uh, (laughs) Right. You 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 need to go to a therapist
4: to sneeze, for God's sake. Just sneeze. Yep, exactly. You're going to blow your freaking eyeball out of your socket, man.
2: (laughs) Now, who is it? Oh, no, I think... I guess my attorney sneezes like she'd just be like, "choo." <laughs> it, it's, it's like a cartoon sneeze. It's like like a fake. I, I thought she was faking
4: it at first.
2: She'd be like, "choo." <laughs>
4: like, but then does she get in pretending? the courtroom and just tear people's heads off? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. But uh, I'm just
2: thinking, <laughs> I mean, what human being sneezes like that? That's got, that's
4: not that's doing nothing. The whole purpose yeah. is to. To blow the schmutz out of the tubes <laughs> in your head, right? Yes. I'm telling you, there's like some deep-seated psychological issues there. You can tell a lot about somebody by how they sneeze. I think we're really onto to something. So, so you're thinking,
2: besides my excellent health from being uh, stabbed with larger needles as a child, right? that uh, I have no mental issues. Because I sneeze very freely. Do you, do you see the through line here? I, exactly. I think, I think I'm think I a well-adjusted, healthy individual. That's when, all that character? That must, that must be. It all comes with, out with every sneeze. I've got character, and uh, I'm healthy and well-adjusted. Huh? How about that, John? That sounds this, great. This is turning out to be a great show already.
3: Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. you know, I know another was a uh, happy, self-well-adjusted John, in fact. Our good
4: friend, John Blickman.
2: Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I bet you
4: John Blickman rips him off. I was going to say, you ever heard him sneeze?
2: Uh, maybe. I don't know. I wonder what it's like. I've heard him cry. I've heard him scream. Yeah, heard him laugh. Um, yeah. no, I haven't heard him sneeze. I don't know.
3: pretty sure I've felt him sneeze a couple of times. The <laughs> back, time back your head gets, gets wet? Never went.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, our fine, uh, our fine uh, sponsor and friend, John Blickman. Uh, he has been making uh, great, uh, innovative pieces of brewing art for your brew day for quite a while now. Longer than he's been sponsoring the show, which has been a long time. Huh? Yes, John?
3: Yes, that's right. Yes. <laughs> the this, this signal's breaking up today quite a bit.
2: Oh, there you go. Well, maybe it's the schnot in your head. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I hear some interference on the line. Uh, yeah, as, as yeah. you, you mention it, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so check them out, uh, BlickmanEngineering.com. dot uh, com. They are making uh, great stuff to make your brew day even better. All right, today we're going to do a Q and A show. Now these questions we get them in uh, by you guys emailing BrewStrong at TheBrewingNetwork.com. dot com. You send in all your questions if you got something for. Simple, short questions, just you know, send them in or label them Q&A. If you've got uh, show ideas, label them show ideas. And we actually go through these things and pull them out. And today, we've collected a, a number of questions into uh, dealing with uh, Brett fermentation and lacto uh, as well. Brett and lacto fermentations. I thought that was a good combo.
4: It is, yeah. too. It's good, too. I just coming off the uh, the Sour Hour that we did a couple days ago with uh, with Jay Goodman, so I'm getting my fill of uh, of uh, sour bug talk lately.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah. I was thinking, you know, uh, yeah. What, what does Jay know about about uh, Brett and uh, Lacto on the Sour Hour? I mean, really, come on. It really, you? Know, I'd be sending your questions to us.
4: Yeah, I mean that guy. We'll has hand, to. We'll hand him
2: to Jay. That guy has yeah. to
4: write a cheat sheet on his wrist like a quarterback, and every time <laughs> somebody asks something, he just he has to read through it, and it's yeah, mess, yeah. Bigness.
2: Call call me up, you know, text right. me. Yeah, uh-huh. that's uh-huh. why we
4: take such long breaks on that show. Right. There you go, Jamel. I need answers. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's, uh, let's
2: crack right into it with the, uh, the first question.
4: Dean from Portland. He blows some smoke up your asses for a couple of sentences, and he says, Now for my question. Uh, in <laughs> your opinions, are there any tips in controlling house bugs that are occupying my fermentation room? My room, uh, it's the basement, it's finished and clean, though I have exposed wooden beams directly above me on the ceiling, kind of a vaulted ceiling. Hmm. Um, I uh, suspect I have a large population of either lactobacillus, Brett, PDO, or, or maybe all three uh, in the wood, I guess. Um, Despite excessive sanitation practices and attention to detail and just tons of cleaning, I'm constantly battling infections in most of my brews. Hmm. I've stopped fermenting in buckets. I've moved up to a 15-gallon Sankey fermenter for my 10-gallon brews. And uh, despite the stainless steel and steam sterilizing, I uh, still seem to be letting in what I believe to be lacto into my ferments. The only time I don't detect lacto in my beers is when I ferment in the dreaded glass carboys or better bottles. Obviously, my Sankey is faulty somewhere. Uh, and uh, I say dreaded because I hate those damn things. Too fragile, too difficult to clean. Worst of all, the siphoning nightmare. I've never been good at that, so I put ball valves on my spigots, on my blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so any advice dealing with uh, the uh, strong house bugs?
2: Hmm. All right. So a couple of things speak to me on this is um, first. First off, the the way that you are getting, you know. All right, you've, you've got this environment. You've got your wood beams in your basement, and there's probably mold growing and cockroaches and all that stuff. The way that that stuff gets into your beer is either you're touching a surface with wild yeast bacteria on it and then touching the beer or the wort with that or the beer with that, or it's being transported like on dust motes. Um they won't travel very far but if, you, if if you see if you you know flash uh, you know shine light through a, a large portion of air you'll see little bits of dust everywhere in the air no matter where you go you're you're going to see that those bits of dust that's carrying the wild yeast and the bacteria so you just want to avoid that stuff falling on your clean surfaces or your sanitized surfaces you want to avoid that dropping into your wort something like that mm-hmm. So, I wonder
3: if with that Sankey fermenter on it, that's kind of like an open fermentation? Uh, an airlock i just it.
2: I'm, I'm guessing he's put an airlock on it. So, uh, you know, things on the beams and stuff like that on the ceiling, cobwebs, stuff like that, as long as you're not disturbing it, it tends not to, uh, you know, drop down into the beer and cause a problem.
3: Yeah. It may <laughs> be, you know, just walking along, say, a car- old carpet. That's mm-hmm. on the floor and scuffing that up and getting dust and sure. bacteria from there,
2: sure. but I don't think that's his real issue. I think the real issue is in how he's what he's pitching. So how he's pitching or what he's pitching or where he's getting it from or how he's growing it up—that's the issue. And I bet you this that when he's doing a uh, you know a Carboy's worth or you know a smaller fermenter worth, uh, he might be producing his yeast one way or he might be just using a smack pack or two when he does maybe when he does the the sankey uh fermentation i mean if he's doing like a fifteen five and he's doing a double batch maybe he's growing his yeast up and his process of growing the yeast up in that process or wherever he's getting that yeast from if he's getting it from another source like a brewery or something like that maybe that's contaminated
4: that's a good point yeah so, in other words, he's, he's pitching his own contamination right, right into the vessels he just spent two hours scrubbing?
2: More, more likely. Uh, you know, that's where people contaminate their beer often is in their yeast. So, one thing I discovered is that breweries that uh, most commercial breweries, um, unless they have a lab, their yeast is full of bacteria and wild yeast. Yep, unless they're unless they're sending all their their stuff out for lab work, it, it, it's just I've seen them multiple times.
4: What percentage is a brewery? What percentage is sending their stuff out for lab work? Ish. It's a fifty-fifty.
2: Oh, probably like five percent. So, oh, so almost no ten percent. Yeah, really. Right, right. Very, very few it seems. So um, the big part of it is you know get the beer through get it consumed early fresh you know quick and often and then it's not not a big deal um you know Mm -hmm. if the amount of bacteria is low the amount of wild yeast is low and you get it through the system quick um you know by the time it grows and you keep it cold by the time it grows up to anything you know that's a problem it takes a while so it's good for a few months maybe wow but it's in there
4: do you think most of the breweries know that
2: I think a lot of them have no idea. And this is the thing that's really shocked me to this point about the commercial beer industry. So um, I think, you know, the commercial beer industry making great beer, and there's lots of great beers out there, but I am surprised at how many of them have... Um, uh, yeast and bacteria, or wild yeast and bacteria in their, in their pitches.
4: Would there, Without naming names, I mean, would there be breweries where we would be shocked to learn that that's going on? Absolutely. And like, wow, this is one of the best IPAs on the market, but everyone's just drinking it fresh and so nobody knows?
2: Absolutely. That's,
4: uh, wow, my world is shattered. Isn't that
2: interesting? Yeah. And again, you know, a little bit uh, contamination, no big deal. It just depends on what you're doing. But if you take some, so if this guy's getting a pitch from his local brewery, and then um, growing that up, you know, the way that he's growing it up may be actually, you know, giving that, that bacteria a chance to further grow or maybe he's storing it away where the bacteria is growing off of the, uh, the spent beer and, and, you know, yeast residue as well. Mm-hmm. So that's a, a possibility. Now, that's assuming that he's getting a pitch for a bigger batch, I mean, he might be just doing a, you know, a five-gallon batch in a, in this bigger, you know, uh, fermenter, and yeah, maybe there is uh, cracks in. It. But he said, saying that he was sanitizing with steam. I mean, if you if you take that that Sankey uh, fermenter and you put uh, you know a gallon of water in it, and then you put it on your burner and boil that water, I'm telling you that thing's clean. You know, the Ooh. whole metal gets hot enough. That it's going to pasteurize the, anything that's in there, so that's not the issue. Uh, so I, I don't think that's the issue between the the Carboy and the the Sankey. I think again, it's coming from the pitch. So when he's doing these smaller five gallon batches, he's probably just buying a vial of White Labs or a Smack Pack of Y yeast, and then dumping that in, and that's it. On these bigger bigger batches, he may be you know taking that and making a starter. Maybe the way he's making his starter is contaminating it. So a lot of of potential uh, uh, possibilities, but uh, that is the one that really sticks out for me.
4: That was an earth-shattering response. You just blew my mind.
2: There you go. That's that's what I do. That's what I'm here for, man. All right, let's do this. Let's take a short break. When we come back, we'll have more of your questions right after this.
1: Tonight is... The night. We bring the creature to life, Doctor Blümerstein. Yes, J.P. Gore. Everything is perfect for my next fermented creation. My daughter, this storm is too far away. We'll never have enough power to isomerize the creatures alpha the <laughs> Yes, J.P. Gore, We will, for I have in my possession the tower of power. <laughs>
2: Enjoy pint.
1: Don't be silly, J. P. Or. We have beer to brew.
0: Since the first time the Brewing Network microphones turned on, more beer was behind it. More Beer sponsors the programming on the B.N. because, like you, they love brewing, and like the Brewing Network, they love sharing their knowledge. MoreBeer.com isn't just a website to place your next equipment or ingredient order. And make sure you're signed up to receive the newest More Beer catalog. More Beer, bringing you absolutely everything for beer making. When I order a beer, I want my server to know more about it than I do. I want someone who enjoys good beer and loves helping others enjoy it too. I want someone who knows how to pour a perfect pint for every beer style. I want a Cicerone.
5: are tested on storing and serving beer, beer styles, flavor and tasting, the brewing process and ingredients, and pairing food with beer. Learn more about your next beer guide at Cicerone.org. Certified Cicerone, because it takes top talent to present a perfect pint.
0: Starting a brewery is not for the faint of heart. Uh, It's definitely
4: a labor of love.
0: If you're not going to give it 100%, don't bother brewers publications is proud to present the brewers association guide to starting your own brewery by elysian brewing's dick cantwell business plans financing sustainability and more this book takes you through the planning and execution needed to turn the dream of craft brewing into a reality Whether you want to open a brew pub or a packaging brewery, learn the professional side of ingredients, wastewater, quality, and how to build the craft brewery of the future. The Brewers Association Guide to Starting Your Own Brewery, available now from Brewers Publications and BrewersPublications.com.
1: Back to the beer guys that make other beer guys look like Wine guys, brew strong.
2: All right, we're back. So, how many how many breweries do you think I pissed off by uh, by saying that? Well, ninety five percent of, them, by of them. By your math, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I, I'm not I'm not saying these people are making bad beer. There are breweries out there making bad beer, but uh, you know, the majority of them making making great beer. Um, but, you know, the pitch is not, uh, you know, 100% clean. I mean, that's that's one of the things that I, I think, you know, as a home brewer, you have this vision that, oh, their beer's really good. Their pitch must be, you know, perfect. And, it, it you know, more often than not, it isn't. So yeah. um, if you're getting a pitch, you know, use it right away and, you know, and then dump it. I think, uh, and, you know, for all the commercial brewers out there, uh you know every beer you make spend the money to send off a sample to white labs or somewhere else uh to have it tested and they'll they'll tell you what's in it and they'll give you a nice analysis pretty cheap and you should be doing that every batch of beer until you can get your 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 beer to zero units uh colony forming units and once you can do that then maybe you can back off and you know, just do it every you know so so many batches, but uh, you should have a lab, and if you don't have a lab, you should be sending it out to a lab, and I think that's just part of the cost of of brewing beer. Tell you a lot about it.
3: That's a real really good point. Yeah, yeah, because as you say, I think a lot of commercial beers have, you know, mostly negligible uh, levels of bacteria contamination. Um, it's when conditions you know change and. Uh, favor the bacteria that it grows then you have a spoiled batch
1: hmm
2: so well and that's why you know traditionally the beer industry would uh, sterile filter and pasteurize everything
3: right right
2: so it'd be pasteurized you know put it in the bottle with all the craft brewers out here uh, now um, you know for example we we don't pasteurize or filter anything and because of that we need to make sure that we got zero uh contamination. No no bacteria, no wild yeast, no zero colony forming units is the way they measure it. But by industry standards, you know, it's like, you know, ten units is fine. Yeah. But uh, you know, you have to be zero if you're not gonna pasteurize it or sterile filter it.
4: All right, uh next question. Terry from Denver says, um He's been trying to pitch his uh, Berliner Weiss beers at a lacto rate of about uh, three to five times the number of yeast cells. He's not sure how to grow enough lacto. So here's the first specific question. Does lacto follow the same growth rate as yeast? So for instance, will a two liter starter of lacto result in the same number of yeast cells as with Saccharomyces, assuming the same number of cells to start with? In other words, are the online yeast calculators valid for lacto?
2: I think no. Um... I know somebody that can that could tell us, um, but uh, I would think no, and I also think that the rate of growth is different as well. So the speed at which it happens, and the amount of growth you get for a given uh, substrate is going to vary. What do you think, John?
3: Uh, <clears throat> I have a feeling. I think you're right, but I do not. I don't know myself. Uh, what those differences may be. Mm-hmm. I just don't have enough background in that area.
2: Right.
4: All right, let's move on to another question he has. Any tips on lactose starters? I do mine at 100 degrees for four to eight hours. Is that sufficient? Do they need yeast nutrient, oxygen, stir plate, et cetera?
2: Lactose starters. Um starters. Uh, heat is definitely a, a, a friend. Uh, stir plate definitely will help. Anything that um, distributes the cells in the uh, starter is going to help uh, help them get access to the nutrients they need and move them away from any byproducts. You know, if if something you're looking at on a really tiny scale where you know they're surrounded by their waste it's perfectly still they're surrounded by their waste and then they lose access to more food so if you stir it up you dilute the waste and you uh, give them more access to food so yes uh, stir plate heat um what else was the question
4: he was uh, specifically 100 degrees for 48 hours is that sufficient
2: um yeah it depends on the on the lactose some strains grow at they, they each one has a peak temperature at which they'll grow and I think if you ask your supplier or uh, you know if you know the the specific strain you could probably look it up on on google
4: and uh yes yeast nutrient
2: um I don't know that you would need uh, necessarily yeast nutrient but the you couldn't, couldn't hurt the you know as long as you did not go crazy with it uh, if you put too much uh, uh, you know, zinc in there or, or magnesium or something like that, uh, uh, too much copper, whatever, that can suppress the growth, just like it can with the yeast. Um, but, you know, since they also have uh, cell membranes, um, I'm sure they could use a lot of the same things that yeast use in order to build those, those membranes. I'm sure uh, all that is very similar.
4: So is there ever a time you shouldn't use yeast nutrient? For I mean, just across the board with brewing, would, would you ever not use it?
2: Um,
4: it's a I think it's a question of using too much, right?
2: I mean, that would be the only worry. Okay,
4: well, I guess yeah. I guess I'm just wondering why he even asks. Like, why would one assume you shouldn't use it?
2: Right, right. Well, because it's not yeast. Oh, I see. Yeah, you know, it's bacteria.
4: Okay, gotcha. All right, he has a couple more. Um, how many lactose cells are in a Y yeast or White Labs pack or vial? Do you know?
2: They go, I believe, on the bacteria, they're like 30 to 50 billion, something like that. On the, on the yeast, they're like uh, 1 to 120. And on the, on the bacteria, I think they're 30 to 50. If I had to pull a number out of my ace.
4: All right. Well, he says that, uh, you know, he's been looking for info on the subject all over the web, and he, he's found nothing on growth rates and conflicting info at best on lactose starters. So hopefully uh, you clarified for him. Okay. Well, and, I'm uh,
2: you know, email me, and I will ask uh, a, a Ph.D. friend of mine who works with bacteria all the time. There you go, Terry. Uh, private right, email. With the... Uh, what the exact answers are on those things? Uh, I'm a little curious too. I, I, I have an idea, uh, and I'm probably right, but you uh, know, I
3: should re- check the New American sours book and see if there's anything on that
2: in there. Oh, know. I'm sure there is. Or you could, you know, phone into the Sour Hour yes. and ask yeah. Jay. Indeed, you can. I should be
4: texting Jay. Hey, Jay, what's answer <laughs> He's like, I was going <laughs> to ask you. All right, here's Kevin Nanzer. He said, I recently made an IPA with 100% Britannomyces fermentation. It turned out great, and I was thinking of entering it into a competition. Any suggestions on the category? It's pretty clean, so it might make sense to just submit it under IPA. Uh, If I do that, should I declare Brett in the name, or should I just enter it in the specialty category, or what?
2: Well, you know, anytime you're you're entering anything, uh, you know, you enter it as what it tastes like, not how you brewed it. So if you if you brew it and it doesn't taste like bread at all, just tastes like uh, a good clean IPA, then don't mention bread. I mean, if you taste the bread, then and that's a big part of the flavor component, then definitely say bread.
4: So let's say he can taste it and he Uh says, "All right, I'm going to call it a bread IPA." Should Uh he still enter it in IPA or in specialty? Specialty. Specialty probably. Okay. So even if it's just a little bit of bread, like enough's there for him to declare it. Oh, yeah, because
3: that would be thrown out as contaminated. It, w- it would. Regular oh, okay. IP, yeah, it might
4: be. It
2: might be. You know, that's that's your balancing act is, um, you know, whether the judges can taste it or not. Are, are the judges' palates better than his or no? You know, sometimes people, they, they they don't know what they're doing. They're like, oh, it tastes like this or that. Or you can get something really spectacular and clean and they'll be like, oh, this is contaminated. sure it
4: is your palate's contaminated ace hey tell me if you think this is against the brewer's code what if kevin entered the beer twice and he entered one of them in specialty as a bread ipa Right, right and he entered the exact same beer in ipa and just called it an ipa
2: yeah as long as the the competition allows for that then there's there's
4: no problem okay yeah so allows for multiple entries well, because I'm saying he doesn't. The, he doesn't the the tell same, people same, it's the same. Beer. Yeah, same
2: beer in multiple categories. Some, some, most competitions do allow that. Okay, they don't allow for the the most common thing disallowed is a brewer entering multiple beers in the same subcategory. So you know, like in Bach, there's uh, there's uh, regular Bach, my Bach, double ice Bach. You could enter one in each of those categories, but you couldn't enter two box. Okay, that would be that's almost universally excluded.
4: Okay, because you're just try, it just people are trying the shotgun approach.
2: Right, right. You enter too many, and you know, enter your best one in, in each subcategory. Gotcha. So it, usually, you know, they're okay with entering in multiple categories because. On the one hand, it, it actually helps people educate people. I mean, you may not be sure, and by doing it and getting better results in one category than the other, it'll tell you, okay, you should think of that as a better IPA, not a better specialty. So there you go.
4: All right, here's one from uh, Nick Mad MadMFer. It's an interesting name from, sent from his iPad. <clears throat> he says, uh, firstly, I'm amazed in, in all of the work you both uh... – okay, uh, smoke blowing. Thanks, Nick. I'm wondering the optimum pitching rate for a 100% uh, WLP 644 fermented IPA. There's a blog he he mentions, and he says, this blog lists a recipe uh, citing optimum rate between an ale and a lager pitching rate around 150 billion cells. However, in the yeast book uh, by uh, White and Zane, whoever this guy is, (laughs) they cite a rate of
2: homebrew and dog meat, homeboy (laughs) and dog meat or whatever. My yeah. favorite morning show. Homeboy and Tommy.
4: You guys in the book cited a, uh, a rate of two hundred thousand cells per milliliter. Yeah.
2: So six forty four is like some strain of Brett, right?
4: Uh, he doesn't mention. He just says six forty four. Well, let me look it up.
2: Yeah, it sounds like a strain of Brett. Um. And so, <laughs> the pitching yeah, rate correct. is going to depend on a number of things.
3: There is no single right answer for pitching rate correct if the, oh, there's great. a
2: range if you go to mr dot com there is no
3: yeah well <laughs> there's a range and there's conditions right. that affect that range and performance and you know <clears throat> you can brew great beer with two different pitching rates, in other words, true
2: let's do this let's take a short break when we come back. I will give you my spiel on pitching rates, and then I will explain what kind of pitching rate you might want to do with the brett back right after this
0: a few things happened 30 years ago ARPANET migrated to TCPIP and the internet was born. Revenge of the Jedi was renamed Return of the Jedi and opened in theaters. Mila Kunis and Emily Blunt were born, beginning a rad fantasy in my mind. But all of that pales next to the fact that HopTech opened its doors and began blowing homebrewers right out of their mash tuns. HopTech doesn't fuck around. Real people shipping awesome shit straight to you. Their new website is fast and easy to navigate or just call 800-379-4677 and let badass bitch jade and the gadget guy roberto blow their warm load of customer service all over you so visit the site or visit the store in dublin california and support those that support you get your brewing on at hoptech.com
2: bn army
5: i'm here to talk seriously for a second you all are partially responsible for something explosive, and it's time you answer for it. Moonlight Meadery is exploding. Yeah, exploding across the country. Wait, they just landed in Australia with
4: insane quality
5: meat With nearly 70 different varieties of mead on the market, Moonlight Meadery has blown up the mead category and completely reinvented it.
4: Seriously?
2: what seriously what you're paying money for that watered down mead when you could have a moonlight
5: mead? moonlight meads explode with quality and flavor they're a party in a bottle did someone say party if you want mead and want the best you want needs from
0: moonlight meadery and will accept nothing less and now get 15 percent off by going to moonlightmeaderycom forward slash be army and use coupon code
1: be army at checkout hey sign me up for that party
2: Hey, my brewing brothers and sisters, this is Jamel Zanisha, and I love a bold, hoppy beer, one that spits resin in your face and makes you cry, Uncle. There are a lot of great hoppy beers out there, but at Heretic, we want to make something as bold, dank, and resiny as possible. We use hops at every chance we get, including multiple dry hop additions. The result is Heretic Evil Cousin. This light golden, 8% Imperial IPA has an easy malt character that helps take the edge off the massive bittering but it takes a back seat to the in-your-face hop character. We make sure this beer finishes dry so the hops can jump out and slam me in the taste buds. If you can't get enough hoppy goodness, Evil Cousin is your cup of tea. Cheers.
0: Williams- strike in water. Ditch the fumes and second burner and make mashing easy. Go to williamsbrewing.com today and browse their vast selection. That's williamsbrewing.com. Orders placed by 4 p.m. Pacific time weekdays ship the same day. Brewing is easy. The Williams way.
1: Back to your hosts, Jamil Zana Chef and John Palmer, putting the testicles in technical. This is Brew Strong.
2: Speaking of putting your testicles in something, uh, oh yes, yes. <laughs> hey, our fine sponsor, Adam and Eve. Ah. you got to check them out. AdamandEve.com. They've been sponsoring the show for a long time, so you don't have to. If you go there now, right now, and you use the offer code Jamel J-A-M-I-L, use my name at AdamandEve.com. Tell them, tell them I sent you. And uh, in exchange for that, you're going to get yourself uh, any one item at uh, 50% off. You put that item in your cart, you use the offer code 50% off. That's all you're going to pay. They're going to give you free shipping. They're going to give you a free extra sensual gift. So sensual, I can't mention on internet radio. And uh, you get to choose yourself three free adult DVDs. Not just the, you know, goat sex ones that nobody wants.
4: Well, oh, they sell. Some they sell do. real big in the Arab world. <laughs> Best sellers over there. Not just the goat
2: sex ones. You're going to get to choose from from categories such as anal amateur, Asian, big breasts, big butts, bisexual, chunky co-eds fetish, uh, lesbian, POV, MILFs, uh, and I'm probably missing a few. But the point is, lots of great categories that you can choose from and choose the DVDs that you like to see, and even those are free. So check it out, adamandeve.com. You can even do it from your mobile phone. Use the offer code Jamil, J-A-M-I-L, at adamandeve.com and get yourself uh, some goodie, uh, one goodie at half price, and all the rest of that stuff is free. So... Uh, it's a good deal. Check them out today. All right, so back to our Q and A questions.
4: Uh, yeah, just to recap the uh, the question. Oh no, yeah, we were break. we were talking about uh, yeah. It was a, a Brett IPA question. He, he, this is right. uh, Nick wondering the optimum yes. pitching rate for 100% Brett fermented IPA.
2: Right. Uh, so on pitching rates, yeah, yeah. there. You know, you know, people talk about over pitching, under pitching whatever rate you determine gives you the best beer or you know the, the the desired results that is the correct pitching rate that is your correct pitching rate nobody can tell you you've under pitched or up uh, or over pitched if you, the results you got was exactly what you wanted now when we're all discussing you know what rates are we can have, you know, general accepted rates that are used, you know, 0. 0.75 for ales, one and a half for lagers. That's a pretty well-accepted general standard for pitching ale and lager yeasts. And, um, you yeah, know, it's a good starting point. And then you can go down from that or up from that, and if it gives you the best result, you found your rate. You're not over-pitching or under-pitching. You might be over-pitching or under-pitching relative to accepted industry standards, but it's not uh, necessarily over-pitching or under So like John's saying, there is no over-pitching or under-pitching. Mm-hmm. Now when it comes to Brett, uh, the question we had earlier where he brewed an IPA and it came out very clean using 100% Brett, the reason that did is most likely because he pitched way too much Brett or a lot of Brett or used Brett at... Um, Brett yeast at uh, sack yeast rates. Because when you pitch a lot of Brett, there isn't a lot of growth. You don't get a lot of Brett flavor. Mm -hmm. Um, Brett, like any other yeast, the more you stress it, the more you cause it to grow, uh, the more you get these flavor compounds that come out of it. So if you want more Brett character, the answer to his question is, what's the correct pitching rate? In the yeast book, when we're talking about Brett, we're assuming you want to get Brett flavor, and Brett flavor, uh, Vinny and and some others they say you know like two hundred thousand cells is is closer to you know your correct rate than in the you know um, in the millions. So uh, you might uh, you know if, it, it depends how much Brett flavor you want. So again, in
3: other words, Jamil, point two versus point seven five.
4: Uh, right. Yeah, he says he's looking for uh, fruity flavors. He's not wanting really more the the horse blanket thing Brett can give you, uh, but he says that his concerns about off flavors that maybe develop from over pitching, um, and he's basically just he's he's yeah. unsure about that the, the this level yeah. of cells present right. in his single vial, right? Like the yeast pellet at the bottom, he says yeah. appears much smaller than other ale yeast vials. You
2: know, yeah, on the Brett they also do like thirty to fifty billion. They don't do. Um they don't it, it's not the same as a uh an ale or a lager yeast so and I think he's got it backwards I think he's got it where he's thinking over pitching will cause more of these flavors um, it can speed up the process of developing flavor but uh, you know and, and fermenting out the whole thing but again it'll turn out cleaner than if you pitch less and give it more time to really uh, work to completion um but, uh, you know, so th- that's the question he needs to answer for himself. Now, if he wants fruity and doesn't want all the other funky stuff that goes with it, he should be using a, a, a British ale yeast. That's going to give him fruity without all the other weird stuff. So there's there's a yeast for that. And uh, that would be the choice. Wouldn't you say, John?
3: Yeah, I would, I would say so.
4: All right, here's uh, Casey from Castro Valley. He says uh, he wish he caught the uh, last sour show we did live, but uh, he didn't hear this, and he's been struggling with a few things, and even though he's pretty sure we covered these topics, he says he's a real dumbass, and so please just go through it again. Uh, One, I constantly uh, hear about the pellicle forming on the top layer, which I have on all three of my sours, but at the same time I hear about the importance of continually topping off the barrels with wort to reduce oxygen contact. How are both possible? Mm-hmm. If I keep topping it off with fresh won't it just keep blowing out the pellicle? Uh, I've heard of adding marbles to bring the level up works it's great, um, but that's just going to aerate the hell out of it, right? Right. So the way that it's
2: done in Belgium and the way that it's done at, like, Russian River, I believe, which I consider, you know, one of the best breweries in the world— uh they uh, will fill the barrels, let them get going. the barrels will start to uh, recede, and then uh, they will top them up once and then they don't top them up ever again. and they let the the pellicle and, and part of it is so the pellicle does not dis- get disturbed. Part of it is you'll get a little more oxygen in there. It's a whole series of things. You can top up uh you know your your vessel when i use glass carboys i and i'm trying to minimize the amount of surface area i will fill them up into the neck and then i'll keep topping it up into the neck and then you you really get you know very little issue with oxygen you get almost no oxygen issue there if you let it recede back down into the or if you only fill it into the the wider body of the the carboy then you're going to get more of that happening same thing happens in barrels you can top them up to you know where the bung is and have a very small pellicle and you can keep it topped up to that or you can let it recede down and get a much wider pellicle so that's the one that's going to affect you there if you're very careful about adding more liquid to your vessel to the you know just like adding marbles. Uh, you know marbles punch a hole in the pellicle too so you can actually um if you're topping up uh you know use a piece of uh, vinyl tubing you pierce it through the pellicle and then you go ahead and run in your liquid and the whole thing rises and you really just have the one little small hole and you pull it back out you know the pellicle will kind of form back around and, and fill in that spot what? Um you just don't want to splash the surface and and destroy the pellicle the pellicles essentially protecting the beer from oxygen.
4: What does it f- I've, I've I've seen a pellicle but I've never actually like touched it. What does it feel like? Is it do, I'm serious. Does it like if you just right, kind of right. barely touch it does it break apart? How how cuz it um, looks hard visually, right? Yeah,
2: it can it can be pretty pretty resilient. It's you know, it'll break up into chunks. Um it's not hard. Uh, but you know, I, I know what you mean. It kind of looks like, uh, it looks like, you know, almost, a you know, a coating on a cheese or something right. like that. Like you know? might
4: be able to pick it up in one piece. Right, know? right.
2: Yeah. You can pick up, you know, bits of it, hmm. but it breaks apart fairly easy. Hmm. It depends, you know, what's, what's for of the pellicle and how, how aggressively it has. But, uh, you know, the amount of, um, uh, oxygen that gets in, that's, you know, uh, the issue really, and um, if you break up that pellicle, or if you dump a lot of oxygen in there, you're going to get even with the Brett. You're going to get some acetic acid, which is a no-no. You don't want it to be like vinegar. You want it to be like, uh, you know, more like uh, lactic. lactic. You know, more like a or more like a lemon or something like that.
4: Casey goes on to say that he has heard you two say that uh, you do not want to age the beer on top of the yeast cake. Uh, but if you inoculate a barrel with uh, critters and then you fill the barrel with uh, sack, sack fermented beer, uh, it's going to build a population while it attenuates the rest of the beer down, uh, let's say from 1015 to 1002. Is that population minimal enough not to worry about? Or one step further, doing primary with Brett Lactopedio like Rosalaire, um, do do you still need a secondary for that sort of thing?
2: Yeah, and you know, on Rosalaire and others if you what i tell people is if you look at the uh, carboy you know whatever stages you've done and there's you know a layer of yeast on the bottom like you've fermented a regular beer you need to get it off of that because it's too much i mean you can allow a little bit of breakdown of the yeast but if you allow a lot of breakdown of the yeast it's going to get that meaty brothy autolyzed yeast thing going yeah so, what I would usually do when I use the rose layer is let it go through its initial fermentation, let that yeast flock out to the bottom, and then when when the beer drops bright, go ahead and rack it to a next vessel. Um, you know, all the yeast hasn't dropped out yet, but, you know, what's left is okay. So, um I would start in a six-and-a-half-gallon carboy, and I'd rack it to a, a five-gallon carboy, so you could fill it up all the way into the neck and then uh, avoid the oxygen as much. You know, you don't want to totally avoid it, but uh, I'd put on a loose carboy cap, and those things leak like a sieve. So,
4: Here's another uh, Brett question. This one's from uh, Latney Blunk. He said, Will Brett eventually clean up any acetic acid it creates? Um, and also, how do you limit acetic production in a Brett starter? Uh,
2: you know, I, I don't think it will clean up acetic acid at all. Um, that would be my... I,
3: I um, think that's correct, yes. Somebody,
2: somebody, you know, there may be some way that that could possibly happen, but I don't think so at all. And then, um, you know, the reason you're getting acetic in the starter, especially like a stirred starter there's a lot more air going in and the more air oxygen that Brett gets if you get it to a certain point of oxygen Brett will produce acetic acid. Acetic acid that's that vinegar thing. So um, if you get if you're doing starters with Brett and you get a lot of acetic in it I would let the the cells drop out put them in the fridge let those settle out decant off the starter wort then add it to a non-stirred non-oxygenated starter And let it grow up again and then pitch that instead.
4: All right, there's another one about uh, bottling with Brett. You want to take uh, the final break and then uh, come back and do this? Yeah,
2: let's take one more break and then we'll come back and uh, finish up with fun with Brett after this.
0: In a world where everything has been lost, what happened to the city? It's in ruins. Only
5: one man has the ancient knowledge to restore civilization.
0: I need a drink. Oh, no, the liquor store's been ransacked.
5: You looking for beer, stranger? (laughs) Boy, all the liquor got drunk up in the first 25 minutes of the apocalypse. Wait, there's still
0: some bottles over... Oh, no, those are non-alcoholic beer.
5: Hey, I reckon you better stick to arrowroot tea and a desperate nomadic existence like the rest of us. People, I'm a home brewer. I know how to make alcohol.
1: Oh, <gasps> it can't be done.
0: Come with me if you want the beer
5: some big plastic He is the chosen one. The prophecies say that he's going to get us wasted. Someone start heating water. And the From the state. creators of Northern Brewer, the people who brought you massive selection and superior customer service,
1: comes the home brewer.
2: I'm Jamel Zanishef, and in addition to my work on the Brewing Network, I write the style profile column in every issue of Brew Your Own magazine. Hi, I'm Sean Paxton, and when I'm not prepping for the home-brewed chef on the Brewing Network, you can find me writing articles on how to cook with your homebrew for Brew Your Own magazine.
3: Greetings, cretins.
0: This is John Palmer, and when I'm not writing for Brew Your Own, I'm reading it. John Palmer, Sean Paxton, Jamil Zanishev. If you love listening to them on the Brewing Network, you'll love reading their articles, tips, and recipes in the pages of Brew Your Own magazine. Join Jamil, John, and Sean eight times a year in Brew Your Own. And when you subscribe to BYO on the Brewing Network website, half of your subscription price goes right back to the BN to support great beer and food programming. So sign up for Brew Your Own magazine through the BN website today so you can listen and read your way to better homebrew.
1: Like the Lance strong of the beer world. Except for that nut thing. This is Pro Strong. Uh-oh. All
2: right, we're back. We're doing a live Q&A show about uh, Brett and Lacto and, and all the goodies like that that uh, people like to use or, or people might be afraid of as well. And... Um, you know, one of the things, uh, a good learning resource is uh, AHA's Zymergy magazine. And when you sign up t- to be a AHA member, you can do that through the Brewing Network site, by the way. if you, When you sign up for that, you get the Zymergy magazine. You get access to their forums. You get uh, the Homebrewers Conference where you learn a lot. And you get to see people like John Palmer. Uh, Scott, are you going to be there at the conference this year? Oh, hell yeah. There you go. And uh, I'll be there. And uh, John Blickman will be there and all that good stuff. But the most important thing you get from the AHA is somebody looking out for homebrewers and making sure that homebrew continues to be legal. And when weird laws get passed that screw with our rights as homebrewers to
4: share beer amongst each other, They're all on top of it. And old laws, like a lot of archaic code exists since Prohibition, and a lot of just undoing uh, old stupid laws. Right. It's amazing the work they do.
2: So that's a a lot of work, and uh, it's good to have an organization that's kind of looking out for that. So on that aspect alone, I think it's worth being a member. I'm a lifetime member.
4: Did they give you some sort of honorary lifetime membership, or is there actually is there an option to sign up for a lifetime membership? There's an option to sign oh. up for a
2: lifetime membership. Yep. I don't know how long they will continue to sell those, but it's a good deal. I mean, if 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 you're old like me at this point, it would not be a good deal. <laughs> at your age, I'm sure you're going to live long and prosper. Uh, you know, uh, I think it would be a good deal for you. Yeah. So uh, the younger you are, the more the more valuable it is to buy that uh, lifetime membership. I think.
4: Maybe uh, get one for your kids, you homebrewers out there with young kids. That's right. Uh, start them young. Two years old, it's like college fund,
2: homebrew <laughs> membership. College fund, homebrew. Son, I got you a lifetime homebrew
4: membership. Hey, you know, these days, college is more and more bull crap by the year. Get them the AHA membership. <laughs> there you go.
3: I know you're potty training. Here's something to read. <laughs> right.
4: Hey, the Zymergy.
2: Here's an article by Palmer. Um <laughs> <laughs> Nice. All right. Uh, You can sign up through the the Brewing Network uh, website. You go to thebrewerynetwork.com. There's an AHA logo there. You click on that. You sign up through that, and a little slice of that membership goes back to the the Brewing Network and helps pay for shows like this. All right. Uh, Let's wrap this up with uh, maybe one more question.
4: Yeah. This is Shane from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. He says, uh, love the show. Hoping you guys could take some time to get some information about bottling with Brett, especially when you fermented the batch with sack. Should you just pitch the bread in with your priming sugar and in what amount to carbonate properly? And then also, do you pitch in as much priming sugar as you would normally without the bread? Um, Or, you know, since bread can eat sugars Mm -hmm. and such that normal uh, yeast cannot.
2: That's an excellent question. And, and, you know, and uh, like many answers, it depends. Um, You, if you are patient, you need very little bread. When it is... um, when you're doing like a five-gallon batch of, uh, of um, beer and you're using an ale yeast, you might use like a, 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 f- a fifth of a uh, uh, 20 billion cells, you know, a billion, a billion per liter of uh, ale yeast. When it's brett, the brett will continue to work, like you say. So if you want quick carbonation – uh, like you get with ale yeast then I would say pitch the the twenty billion cells the the billion per liter if you are going to take time then I would say you could pitch you know um uh you know about two hundred thousand uh per mill so you could you could cut that cut that way down as well um
3: I kind of wonder though if if uh brett priming might lead to some strong phenolic flavors in the beer that may be tough to get rid of
2: well it depends on what they want
3: yeah that's true
2: so if you want the brett character or not i mean I, i'm guessing they're doing like an orval clone or something like that maybe mm-hmm. and they're trying to get the brett in there over time so in that, in that case i would pitch very little um in that case um you know a vial of brett from white labs would be too much for a uh um, a full, five, a gallon full five gallon batch. I mean, I'd use maybe, uh, you know, a fifth of that.
4: So does the Brett? Does it rip through the priming sugar, or does it eat it slowly? It, 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 will,
2: it will go through the priming sugar. It won't. It'll go about as fast as ale yeast will through the priming sugar. Now, the other question he had was, the the thing is, you know, if if you pitch a little bit, it takes them, takes them longer to to get through that. And in some yeast, they just won't get the job done. With bread, like you're saying, it will consume a lot of the other sugars and stuff like that. So it depends on where the beer has finished, how much residual there is in the beer itself. If it's something that finished out at, you know, uh, six Play-Doh or something like that, you're probably going to end up with bottle bombs. So even if you don't add any priming sugar, okay. if it's something that finished out at, uh, you know, one Play-Doh, my cousin, we it finishes one and a half Plato, uh, one point oh oh six. You could toss Brett in that, and you know it barely carbonate. Assume that whatever remaining sugars you have in there will eventually all be consumed. So it'll go down to you know, <coughs> sorry, um, it'll go down to one point
4: oh 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 or you
2: know. .996 or whatever, it'll, it'll, it'll go down.
4: Um, so just the last part of his question, and you, you address it, but just to put a finer point on it, how much Brett character he'll be getting um, when he uses it just as the bottling geese? Like, is it even worth it?
2: Uh, I, I think it's worth it. Uh, you know, again, like, like we're talking, uh, you're doing an Orval or something like that. Uh, over time, um, you know, with, with a small amount of Brett and given enough time, Uh, The beer definitely changes because keep in mind, you're not taking a little bit of bright character and dumping it into a beer that has all this other stuff going on with all these sugars and all this other richness going on. What's happening? I mean, you are initially, but what's going to happen is a lot of that's going to get consumed and that richness and all that other masking character is going to disappear and that Brett character is going to come forward even more. Even that little bit of Brett character is now going to become more and more evident. Yeah. So that's one of the the effects of, of Brett consuming the rest of those sugars. So uh, yeah, I think it's worth doing. Absolutely. Uh, I'd be careful. Uh, you know, if you if you're starting out with this, I would not uh, you know package this in standard uh, weight bottles. I'd package them in, in high carbonation bottles that can stand you know four volumes uh or you know put in a keg that has a you know pressure relief in it and do it that way
4: all right there you go that's uh that's the wild ale show or wild yeast show
2: or brett and lacto or whatever we call it another fine show show. uh like all of these i mean we're really knocking it out of the park and that's because (laughs) i've been stabbed with the big needle
4: yes we have character (laughs) and uh
2: what was the other thing that this made works. me healthy? Oh, mental! Uh, I sneeze hard. Yes. It yes, so, yeah. shows
4: mental health. Right. That's, I have good mental health. I couldn't think of it because it's just a direct result of the needle. It all comes back to that.
2: all comes back to the needle. If you want your kids to be healthy and, and confident and strong, apparently you, you just get yourself an old-timey needle yeah. off of eBay. I just gen-
4: general it. abuse will work. Just, just Yeah, every once in a while, just grab them, them with a needle. Yeah, yeah.
2: That makes perfect sense. You should never have kids, Moscow. I'm just saying. Never. <laughs> never, ever should you have children.
4: So far, so good. Right. I think. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. All right. And if you enjoy this show and uh, want to hear more, uh, make sure you, you check out our fine sponsors, uh, Blickman Engineering, uh, BlickmanEngineering.com. Check out the Brewing Network store. Lots of goodies in there. When you buy that stuff... The so profits go to the bottom line of the Brewing Network and help shows like this. Until then, everybody, Brew Strong. Brew Strong.